Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father Son Packers podcast. My name is Tommy, one of your hosts, almost always one of your hosts, that is. Thank you so much to my cousin Eli for filling in for me during the pregame for this Steelers game. But I am back for the postgame for this Steelers game. Moral victory. We can call it a moral victory. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. You know, spent uh, spent almost a week down in SoCal now with 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 the doggy. Now I'm back home at my normal desk for podcasting. Yep. Back in your comfort um, zone. As are you. Yep. Back in my back comfort, in comfort zone. zone. Here to talk to you about that Packers game. Unfortunately, a loss, uh, 23 to 19. But, you know, I think generally several positives to take away from this game, and we'll talk all about it. But before we do, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out uh, stats we find interesting whenever we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, pretty much everything keeping you up to date in Titletown. And come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. If you subscribe to us there, we would really appreciate it because it would really help our numbers. But Dad, let's get into it because, as we said, the Packers unfortunately lose this game 23-19. to Despite outgaining Pittsburgh 399-324, to the Steelers have still, every game they've won, they've been outgained. So good for them, I guess. Uh, they yeah. just every, got... Every, every, every game of the season. So they, they've, they've got that, whatever, nine... Are they, they have the buy already? Uh, I wonder if it's just every game of the season they've been outgained. Yeah, but first they, team. It was already the first team ever through week nine. Now they're through week ten. Yeah, they got some voodoo magic going on there, but you know they always seem to figure it out. Unfortunately, they figured it out against the Packers again. Bart Starr is still the last Packers quarterback to get a win in Pittsburgh, which is kind of wild to think about. Um, but Dad, before we start breaking down this game anymore, uh, just wanted to touch on a couple of news items for the Packers, uh, and those are a couple of roster moves. Uh, the Packers have cut cornerback Enos Gaines uh, and signed corner Caillou Blue Kelly off of waivers from Seattle. He was a fifth-round pick just this past year out of Stanford to the Ravens. He has an 8.76 relative athletic score with a poor short shuttle, but good jumps uh, and decent speed and uh, six foot 191 pounds, so maybe excited to see him in the green and gold. And they also signed linebacker Austin Ajiake uh, to the practice squad. He was a 2023 undrafted free agent out of UNLV. 7.84 relative athletic score with a 4.640, so very fast for a linebacker. But he is also pretty small for a linebacker at 6'1", 223 pounds. Elite jumps as well. And he had decent run defense and tackling at UNLV, apparently. Um, but so another guy added to the practice squad with his size. I'd imagine he'd be kind of like a hybrid linebacker safety, maybe a special teams guy. Something to keep an eye on, though. Uh, right. Just keeping you up to date. Yeah. In some ways, it's kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Tariq Carpenter, sort of mm, like hybrid yes. safety linebacker with good athletics, um, good speed. Yeah, I could definitely see that. We'll um, see. We'll see what the seal they had. Maybe he's going to be mostly with that. With those kind of traits, he might be just a special teamer. Which is fine because the Big special teams, the special fast. teams could use some help. That's that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later on. But Dad, do you want to just get into this game breakdown? Should we just start talking about it? Because you know, I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in this one. Yeah, I mean, we yeah we lost. In some ways, you might say the cards sort of stacked against us in terms of the historical um, likelihood precedence in our ability to win on the road in Pittsburgh. But I think there's some encouraging signs here. You know, not all of them, of course. We did lose yeah. after all, but some encouraging um, signs anyway. Yeah, and I think result-wise, like we said this year, the whole thing that matters is the process. 
The main thing that matters is how Jordan Love looked, and we'll talk about it in a bit. I thought he had some really awesome... Honestly, this might have been his best game of the year. Um, And then it matters just how generally the young pieces start to develop, and a lot of the young pieces flashed in this game. And that's really all you can ask for. There were definitely some flaws, definitely a lot of bounces that did not go the Packers' way in this game. And I think that was really the... The end result was just a function of, like, they had five (laughs) different things just bounce the wrong way for them. And not to mention some bounces that actually went their way, but weren't called their way. Yeah, that call was atrocious. Um, dad, my dad is referring to uh, the fumble fumble that should have been a fumble that the was lateral. a backwards pass. I mean, I don't know how you missed that play. I just don't know. Even uh, one of the broadcast uh, referees was like, I don't know how you don't see that on replay. I don't know how you don't see it. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, it is what it is better draft position and you still get to look good in the game that's the that's the silver lining i'm choosing to look at this through but dad let's start talking about this game and let's get a little bit analytical with it um and let's start with the biggest moment of the game we like to talk a little bit about just based on espn win probability what play in the game shifted the uh chances of winning the most that's how we define the biggest play of the game and in this one it was the interception thrown by love on the very last play of the game as the Packers snapped it deep in the red zone of the Steelers with four seconds left, and it shifted the Steelers' win percentage from 66.2% to 100%. And so that did do it. Uh, A lot of other plays that could have gone one way or the other that also, I think, really shifted odds in this game, but that was the biggest one. That was There were several that were over 20. This was kind of a manic game going up and down on the the probability meter as, uh, you know, the... Packers get back to the lead, and then they're coming down to threaten to score a note a couple times. It was manic and yet dull at the same time. I feel like this game was very <laughs> odd game, in my opinion. But uh, let's start talking about it, though. Uh, do you want to start with the offense or the defense? Uh, do you want to get? Let's get the bad out of the way first. Let's talk about the defense. All right. So then we're we... ta- that that means we're talking about defense. Well, technically, it would mean we're talking about special teams. But let's talk about the defense first. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so let's start with the defense, and let's start with some of the positives. But before we do any of that, let's talk about what they're saying. And Matt LaFleur today had a couple interesting quotes. I know you had some strong opinions on this. I did not have as strong of opinions. But according to Matt Schneiman of The Athletic on Twitter, Matt LaFleur uh, took a bit of exception with the way that some of the questions were phrased in press conferences today, um, saying that uh, this was a paraphrasing, but all of these these adjectives were his exact words. But uh, according to Matt Schneiman of The Athletic on Twitter, Matt LaFleur said it's baffling, comical, and that people expose themselves, which were those were all his exact words, when people critique the Packers for having two down linemen, defending the run in nickel because outside linebackers and nickel and, are defensive ends and therefore are down linemen. I know. Uh, and you don't want us exposing ourselves. Or you yeah. don't want them exposing ourselves. You know what that's from? No, I don't. What is it? <laughs> it's like, I think it's uh, Ghostbusters when they're talking to the mayor. Oh, of course, of course. But anyway, Packers. Dad, I think it's pretty obvious the reporter was not... The reporter meant defensive tackles and was just using the terminology down linemen. I feel like it's very clearly semantics. And Malafleur could have just answered the question. But I understand at the same time what Malafleur is saying. Like, essentially, it is the same as a nickel 4-3 where you're taking off a linebacker and you're pinching in those edges. And it is kind of four linemen. But at the same time... At the same time, I don't really care about the question in general because the Packers' run defense was terrible regardless of how many down linemen they had or how many D-tackles yeah. or however you want to say it. So who cares? Uh, I, but I, I know you... But I disagree with that. I feel like you have decided to fail by, by just by making that alignment. 
you've you almost guaranteed failure. I I don't think I think blaming it on the alignment distracts from I think blaming it on the alignment distracts from the actual flaws in the run defense which is that the D-line is not coached well enough to get off of blocks and to defend the run. I mean they were well, getting bullied. I think there are multiple problems. But I think it distracts from it. It's just missing the forest for the trees when you're like, oh, the reason that I think when we hyper focus on like, oh, they only had two D tackles there. If they had three, they definitely would have stopped them. I'm going to tell you right now, no, they wouldn't. And let's. Well, let, I, I think we have to be evaluating the coaching on this team as well as the players. I know, but I think it distracts from the poor coaching of the defensive line room as a whole, as opposed there to. Is, there is poor preparation, tra- teaching, you might say. So that 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 bit of coaching is failing, as well as um, yeah. some schematic. But but he says they pinch in. They did not pinch in. Their their, their two edge rushers are wide nine outside of the tight ends. I mean, yes. It should they play. have should they have had another D tackle in? Yes. And this is uh, I think it was was it Najee Harris's touchdown run that yes uh, and he's referring to un, is pristine, like. It wasn't even, is, he, he wasn't even down with one hand touch. Warren was hardly touched on his touchdown run either. So, like these players, at least were they had hardly, to break some. At least they had to break some tackles, I suppose. But anyway, I think the bit the biggest thing is like you know the Packers are playing this kind of this was a, this was by this was a tweet that Andy Herman had. Um, like the worst part is that th- this defense is in many ways designed like you know be very conservative, don't give up big plays, but they're giving up the fifth most explosive plays per game on the year of any defense according to Andy Herman on Twitter. So what is it this, that this defense does well? They, they sometimes, what is it you'd say you do here? They, they'll get a stop here and there, and you know, points-wise, like it looks okay. But at the same time, let's start talking about the defense. We can start with the good things. Um, I have a couple. Uh, the first one that I have is that all things considered, the secondary held up really well in this game. I know in some ways it's an artifact of the fact that the Steelers just didn't have to pass. And also when they do pass, Kenny Pickett isn't great. Uh, but when you're starting Corey Ballantyne and Carrington Valentine and Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens, giving up just four catches on eight targets for 62 yards to a duo of George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, I'd call that a win. Uh, Ballantyne had two pass breakups. Nixon and Owens had one apiece. I, the only thing I would say about the secondary is I wish they just ran with Anthony Johnson instead of Jonathan a- Owens. A- AJJ, that is. Yes, AJJ. Anthony Johnson Jr., rather, rather than the other Anthony Johnson rather than practice squad Anthony Johnson yes all we needed to have we missed the chance to have Valentine Valentine Johnson and Anthony Johnson and Anthony Johnson on the field at the same time speaking talk about of, an opportunity lost speaking of movie reference uh this is Agent Johnson this is Special Agent Johnson, <laughs> Special Agent Johnson. No, relation. No, rela- no relation that's diehard for anyone at home uh but yeah so that was nice and then the third down defense was also quite good in this game they held the Steelers to four of 13 on third down uh the Steelers coming into this game had a conversion rate of 36.7 percent per team rankings so they held them lower than their usual average on the year and four of 13 nothing to sneeze at uh so yeah I thought there were some those were the two positives I had on defense dad did you have anything that you had to like positive on defense before we kind of I I had a little I mean so I guess Gary had his best run D grade of the year per PFF. So even though the for the front overall did look so good, I think maybe he maybe he contained held the edge a little bit and didn't dive inside so hard to give up the uh, the outside lane uh, as he had at other games in the year. And then um, they only gave up five yards per pass attempt, which was less than the Steelers' yards per run. Um, but it was Pickett's second worst of the year. So they actually, relative to his average performance, they they did better than than the average defense 
against him so far this year. And that yards per pass attempt would rank as last in the entire league. Um, so from that perspective, they did a decent job defending the pass on the whole. Yeah. And, you know, defending the pass like pretty well. I know it's not the most dynamic pass defense. They got stops when they kind of needed to get stops near the end at times. They they gave the offense chances to win the game. And so like it wasn't all negative from the from the defense, but at the same time there were definitely some negatives in this one. Uh the one that I had was namely, you know, the run defense was really bad and I know you're going to talk about it more. Um I was focused specifically on the tackling in the run defense. Um, specifically for the run defense, though, per rbsdm.com, they had the second worst run defense in the league this week by EPA per play. Only the Chargers were worse. It was 0.171. And they had the seventh worst run defense in the league this week by success rate at 48.6%. And the tackling was really poor. PFF had them with 16 missed tackles, which is three more than their previous season high. And they had their worst tackling grade on the year per PFF. Warren had 4.6 yards after contact per attempt per PFF. Uh, which is the highest on the season for him. And Najee had 2.31. So not great. Not great at all. Uh, And I know you had more things to say about the run defense. And then I'll add a couple things afterwards as well, because it wasn't just the tackling. It was kind of pretty much everything run defense wise. I mean, you don't give up 200 yards on the ground and do anything really particularly well. Take it away, Dad. Take it away. So, yeah. And I think it was, was this the third time this year? I think I remember giving up 200 yards rushing in a game. 5.7 yards um, per carry. And just also, I think you had, yeah, you already had the EPA per play of the rush defense. Yes. But basically the Chargers were actually, not only were they worse, well, they were a lot worse. worse, a lot worse, They're a lot worse. So hopefully next week we get some success. So, so some of that was some of what I had to say. Also that whole D line, no, how many, however many down linemen you have for like, but I guess like two defensive, only two interior D linemen. I don't care what LaFleur wants to call them. If he's like worried about what people are calling them or gatekeeping who has knowledge of what they call it or not or how they define things is merely obfuscating what the actual problem is. He just doesn't want to answer the question. However, on that play, not only are there two, but there are only two D linemen from the outside shoulder of the left tight end to the inside shoulder of the right tight end. So you've got the five offensive linemen plus like part of the tight ends against two defensive linemen. Yeah, on that play, just getting totally outmanned, and they get and they get crushed, and um, Harris goes in untouched. For yeah, TD, and maybe it and I works. Think that's not. I was just saying maybe it works the first if time you have, it happened this year. And I was just gonna say maybe it works if you have Quay Walker out there, but you got McDuffie out there who can't really take on blocks as is, and Campbell was missing a missing gaps kind of all over the place when I was watching the game, at least I, I thought he took the wrong angle of a number of different times. Yeah. And I, and I, it's amazing to me. Like, I think you said something about how well they were doing. What was it? After contact for, uh, oh, I was going to say, Ford. so not contact, only were they doing great I, after contact, well, I pulled you've got this, a little note in here too. Uh, well, I know you wanted to say something about this. Isn't the first time this happened because this also happened against the Vikings in terms of talking about when they only had right. two so interior D linemen. And, and that was a touchdown run for uh, Acres, where he he just powers in the in the end zone. So we already know that this alignment fails. That time it was they got kind of caught in it in a hurry up offense. So that was one where they, in order to get out of it, they should have called a timeout. It's like, oh, we we don't have the right alignment for what they're about to do here. The other thing that drives me crazy about this, so it's like, well, okay, well, you want to be able to defend the pass, but this is like on this play, it was first down. 
and, and the Steelers are a run-heavy team. You also have to know your opponent and what yeah. they're going to try to do against you. And to align to basically that alignment says we dare you to run. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and they did. Yeah, and they did, and they did it all all game. And we talked like you were saying, you were mentioning. Let's, I'll just bring it back to what you were saying just before about how their yards after contact were great. Their yards before contact were great too. Uh, <laughs> Najee had two point eight one yards before contact <laughs> per attempt. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the show? How'd you like the play? Uh, and Jalen Warren had two point one three yards before contact per attempt. So. They're not even getting touched till two yards down the field almost every single time. And then we can't tackle them anyway. And then we're missing tackles and we're letting them get another two to three yards every single time when we touch them. So it's it's not great. I mean, this is what happens. Like, I mean, Warren had 6.7 yards per carry and Najee had 5.1 yards per carry. So the math adds up. The math is mathing. Beyond that, though, I think just it's just the same old story with the Packers run defense. It's like how many years are we going to do this where the Packers just give up just gashing play after gashing play? And LaFleur has the same press conferences where it's like, Oh, we're, we can't keep doing the same thing. It's the definition of insanity. Having these same press conferences is the definition of insanity. We do this every single week or at least once every two to three weeks, we have the same exact song and dance. And it's just so tiring. Uh, Dad, did you have any other negatives on defense though? uh, Before, we move on to offense. Uh, defense wasn't great. That's all. That's all I really got to say. It wasn't good. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't terrible. But, the, but like the the pass the passing defense wasn't wasn't bad. And it maybe maybe it's because the Steelers didn't try to do much and they didn't like they dare didn't to, to give Pickett too much responsibility. Yeah, and then they didn't need to. This is like you know, it felt like the Packers' um, best defense. Like so many other times where. I was just going to say, it felt like the Packers' best defense was when the when Pittsburgh decided to throw inexplicably. It was like, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you for throwing the ball. Like, we can get a stop, finally. I don't know why they decided to throw in the red zone ever. What was the point? But anyway, I digress. Anything else you wanted to add yeah, on defense? Yeah, it seems but, so unnecessary for, so, for them. Yeah, it's pointless, but especially at least against us. I whatever. Uh, anything that you wanted to add, though, Let's or should we move on to the offense? Let's move on to the offense. All right. Offensively, I think is I, I, where... Yeah, I don't want to talk about that defense anymore. No. Offensively, though, I think is where a lot of my source of optimism comes. Because I think in this game, there was a lot of good to be taken away on the offensive side of the football. And I think it was probably, you know, some people might argue the Bears. But I think process-wise, this is the best the offense has looked all season. And against a decent defense, too, in Pittsburgh. I mean, no slouches for sure. Um before we go into good things and bad things, just a couple of things that they're saying. Uh, Matt LaFleur, this is per Paul Brettel on Packers Wire. Uh, quote, uh, this is about Jordan Love. Quote, I thought he was playing with a lot of confidence, added LaFleur. I thought he was decisive, made some big time throws down the field. He kept fighting and battling. Gave us an opportunity right there at the end of the game and obviously came up short. End quote. And then the other one was Matt LaFleur per Zach Cruz on Twitter. Uh, this wasn't an exact quote. This is more of a paraphrasing, but it was about the first pick uh, that... PFF actually did not grade as a turnover-worthy play. They just felt like Patrick Peterson made a great play on the ball, and I would agree. But Matt LaFleur didn't like the route or the read on that pick, apparently, uh, and he felt that it would have required a perfect throw to get that one there, and they just didn't need to do that there. Uh, But yeah, so those are what they're thinking. Dad, I figure we should end with the positive and start with the negative so we can end on a high note because, you know, generally I felt pretty good about the offense in this one. Um do you want to say maybe some of the negatives you had on offense before we move on to the positives, though? 
Yeah, I guess to comment on that that play, that first interception, I think it's especially a, a throw you don't try when it's only second down. Yeah, and, and like and you have you gotta have another chance at it, and you're um, getting down to the situation. end of the game, and it's like getting to be winning and, time. And he, there is really no window for that pass to get in there. Um, when you watch when you watch it, it's like it's not. There's just there's you have to really be hoping at that point. Um, yeah. Because yeah. not only is he blanketed, but the defender is between the quarterback and the receiver. Yeah, and um, he, so... he had taken some shot plays throughout the game like that where it's, it felt like he was just like, you know, I throw it, and if if like we don't hit it, it's an incompletion. So it is what it is. But, I mean, I think he didn't expect Patrick Peterson to make like one of the best plays of the week pop. on the ball. It's yeah, like, you should have heard play. me yelling at, the, at that play. I was like... <sighs> Didn't even get to see the third down. Didn't even get the chance to see the third down play with it like popping up in the air to the uh, yeah I mean, other defender. It's a great play. Just got to shake his hand and go on to the next one. And they they had still had a chance to win the game and to just didn't turn out. Yeah, I mean, so I should have said a little shout out to the defense there in that situation to get the ball back one more time. In many ways, it was because of an offensive pass interference. So because they they tried to give it up because remember Kenny Pickett scrambled for a first down. Because the Steelers had the ball that one three drove minutes. me a little crazy when Pickett so, got the. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give the. They still got the. They still got the ball back. They did, but I'm not gonna give the defense too. I'm not gonna give them too many props because they should have had the stop earlier. And Kenny, they let Kenny Pickett scramble for the first down, and they gave up the first down. That big completion to Pickens that really ended the game, but then it got called back for offensive pass interference. And so I don't know. To me, it was like okay. Yeah, we did talk about how how little Pickett runs and how poorly. As yeah. well in the pregame, that is not his game. And then just ah, tough. But anyway, Dad, any other negatives on offense? I had I had one or two. I didn't have too many. Um, the main thing. So things, my, my oh, go ahead. My big one for the negative is Watson. Yeah, he's struggling this year. He's he really having caught, a sophomore slump. Only caught caught two of seven targets, and he caught his first two. The, the catch of the sideline where he has to make a great catch because the throw's a little off target, dives for it, pulls it in, a difficult catch. And then the contested catch for the um, first down conversion that on, was it like the next play? It's like, so. Same drive. It was uh, the it was third the same down. Same drive. Though, it was like maybe a play or two later. It wasn't, that, but they're close together. And, and then no more catches the whole rest of the game. So yeah. like the first, the first like five plays of the game, he gets two catches and then. Nothing the whole rest of the game. Yeah, and a drop, and just generally like just he just needs to play bigger. He's right, so, he a, he's he had, so big. He, he just he had needs a to drop play on big. like a third third down chance. Yeah, but at this point, I don't care who's at fault. Whether I think they just have to change what they're doing. Uh, the game plan needs to change. He's only caught fourteen of thirty three targets on the year, forty two percent, compared to last year's sixty two percent. His average depth of target is is. Further downfield, 17.3 to last year's 14.3. And it's not really the drops. He's only got two on the, you know, he's only credited by PFF with two drops. But it's more that he's unable to, I guess, stop. What I see is he ends up, when the ball is coming up in a contested situation, he's still drifting backwards away from the ball. Yeah, He's unable to stop his momentum and then drive back towards the ball into the defender. Um, I mean, so it's a fight for the ball. Or, or, a, or I was Love just is throwing say, it. That's exactly okay. what happened in the Raiders game. 
Yeah, where exactly he's just falling backwards and not coming forward to make a play on the ball. And he's just right. he's expecting that it's going to fall to him, and he's just going to fall down in the back of the ends. You gotta you gotta make a play on the ball. You gotta work your way right. back to the so ball. I think he's got to like retrain what he does in those situations. So I think he, I think he's just jumping up as he's still moving downfield, and rather than being able to stop plant and then jump and go meet the ball. He is mm-hmm. just kind of leaping up as he's drifting backwards. And so then it's not even, a, it doesn't even end up being a contested catch in a lot of these. He's just not, not there to contest the ball. Well, in some ways, I think that's why. So love has thrown 10 picks on the year. Now, I believe five of them have been targeting Watson. And I think part of that is like, you know, Watson's, he's not even making, he's not even contesting the ball. Like, the defender has pretty much a clear path at it because Watson half the time isn't even making contact with the ball. Yeah, so he's got to work a little bit on his technique there to get into. He should be looking to drive through the receiver for those mm-hmm. balls and maybe even draw a flag. But uh, I think maybe also because of either you say because of this or Love's not throwing it where he needs to in those situations, that they need to reduce the amount of time that Love is looking for him in these high pressure situations. Love's passer rating when he's targeting Watson is 37.8. Only Toure is worse on the team this year. And Toure has been completely phased out. He's He's inactive. Yeah, Yeah. he's been inactive inactive. for a few weeks, a couple of weeks, at least two weeks in a row, maybe more. So I think they they need to design things a little bit different. The other thing I noticed is I think uh, Watson only has one run this year. It's weird, right? They're not one for minus six. And last year they, they did it a few times to get big plays. They just basically abandoned it. And they seem to have mostly abandoned, like Watson crossing across the middle. It's like it's all it's like what ninety percent go routes going to the corner and to against be the sideline. To be fair to Watson, these numbers would look better if Love hadn't underthrown him on multiple deep balls throughout the year. To oh, be yeah. fair to Watson, so it's not all him. But yeah, that that's what I mean by I don't necessarily mean to imply that it's all Watson's fault. I think they just need to change their game plan. But I think at the same time, we saw in this game, Love have more success throwing downfield. And so I don't know if... Because yes. yes, he had been under throwing Watson deep. But if Love can take the success that he had throwing downfield, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and translate that to when he's targeting Watson, I don't think they necessarily need to change how they're playing Watson or using Watson. I would like to see more crossers. I would like to see more design touches and runs. But at the same time, I think it was Justice Mosqueda on uh, his, the crossover that Acme Pack and Company did with Packaday, talking about how him when he was watching the tape, he's not sure that Watson's 100%. He thinks the hamstring's still bothering him because he doesn't see him getting downfield separation like he was earlier in the year. And Andy Herman right. agreed. But at the same time, it's well, like... Well, also, like, he doesn't manage to run away from the um, Raider defender, I think. I think it was Raiders. Um on the play, he gets downfield. It doesn't, yes. he doesn't able to quite break it all the way to the end zone. Yeah. That was the one that they, I think, ended up having to settle. Uh, or no, they did. Or didn't, they did. They didn't get a touchdown. They did touchdown not get a touchdown on that play. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. But yeah, I, I think, you know, with Watson, it's just, it's so tough because the ceiling is so high. But at the same time, all these other receivers are outplaying him. Like, yeah. And, and I, these I, other... I think, he, it, and maybe having a different game plan is temporary. But I think the coaching staff has to say, like, Okay, we got to stop throwing it up for grabs and hoping that Watson bails us out and design things to get people in space. And I actually, if you look, I think at some of Watson's numbers, even from last year, a lot of what he does really well is run after catch with the ball in his hand. 
And yeah. instead, they're looking for him to make a contested catch downfield. I think some of that is boosted a little bit by some like just massive plays where, you know, touch pass here, crosser against the Eagles here, there. Like, I, I don't know. I, I've never felt like he was a super dynamic player with the ball in his hands in terms of making people miss. Um, but I, I do wish that they would use him more running away from people across the field as opposed to just like, okay, run a go route. Okay, run a post. Like, yeah. It's it. There's not a whole lot of variety in his route tree right now. It feels like. I mean, at the same time, like he is getting targets like at the sticks, like that third down that he had the drop on. That's he's that's not a go route. Like he's just dropping it. The first yeah. catch of the game, the the third down conversion those, that we talked about those earlier. First two, his two catches. Yeah. Yep. So they are it's still true. using him th- they that way. They did use. I think maybe they had a little bit more variety in his usage this game. It's true. Yeah. Uh, any other negatives on offense that you had, Dad, besides uh, Watson, or should I? Move that on was to the this big one? thing I wanted to talk about. So. Yeah. Because it's tough. Because I think a lot of people coming into this year was like, "Wow, such a great end to his first year. Let's stack that and see if you can become like." one of these top-level young wide receivers. We've seen these young wide receivers be high-impact players in a lot of other places. And with a young quarterback, it would have helped him a lot. It would help Love a lot if Watson could have been you know, one of those high-level players, and he just hasn't been so far this year. For me, the downsides on offense uh, were mostly around the offensive line. I did have a couple... Um, you know, gripes with the amount of drops that they had. PFF only had them credited with two, one for Watson, one for Jones. Uh, but I thought there were others where players just didn't hold on or didn't time their jumps. Uh, Musgrave on the crosser where he had it jarred loose. I know that's a really tough play, uh, but at the same time, you know, it was in his hands. Um, but it, it's fair. It's like, it would have been a very tough play. Uh, and then Wicks mistiming his jump on the second and 16. I, I thought he should have been able to get that before the touchdown to read on third and 16. Um, so I, I just thought there were some plays where it's like, oh man, I really think I really thought he could have had that there. Uh, but the other negative I had that I was more concerned with was the offensive line. Uh, most pressures, they allowed 13 pressures per PFF, most pressures since week five and third most on the season. Um, Rashid Walker allowed five pressures by himself. Uh, and I didn't feel like they blocked particularly well in the run game either. Um, PFF had Myers, Elton and Tom actually graded out pretty well, uh, but Runyon and Walker poorly. Um, but you can really tell that the run blocking wasn't great. Uh, one thing that indicates it at least is Jones's stats, Aaron Jones, that is. Uh, he had 35 total yards rushing, 33 of which were after contact. So two yards before contact total amongst total. Not, all attempts. Not, too per, not, not, not per carry like, like, like the Warren Steelers and were Yeah, two total. So he was getting hit in the backfield all the time, the whole game. And it was just... It, it just seemed like a struggle. And Dylan, which I'll talk about when we talk about positives, had a little more success there. But yeah, so I, I just thought the line was not great in this game. And I thought that actually just kind of amplified how well I thought Love played. Uh, but Dad, since we're talking about that, anything else you wanted to talk about with the offensive line? Or do you want to move on to positives? Yeah, I had I had a literally just that, you know, they you only gave up the one sack anyway. But maybe you want, as you said, you want to give Love the credit for that. Yeah. He was doing some dancing. He was doing a lot of dancing back there. And that it was like it, at one point he's like it looked like he was playing capture the flag back there, trying yeah. to just run around and avoid getting grabbed by uh, TJ Watt. And it's a tough pass rush. I mean, I'm not gonna say it isn't. Like Highsmith, Watt, Keanu Benton, the rookie, is having a nice year. It, it's difficult, but like they, they could have the offensive line struggled in this game, uh, to protect Love. Uh and I think Love kind of made their numbers look better than they actually were. Um, but dad, positives in this game. 
uh, do you want to go first or should I go first? I think I, I, I'm going to go first because I think love is the biggest thing. And I, yeah, I why don't you go first to give, down give your stuff about love? Jordan Love, I thought, had his best game of the year so far, uh, or at least the most number of high-level moments. Uh, PFF agrees. They had him with five big-time throws in this game, which is a little subjective. Um, you know, it's that's fair. It's a, it's a subjective measurement. They decide what they feel like is a big-time throw based on like time and score, uh, difficulty, de- uh, depth of target, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's still the third most by any quarterback in the league this year in any game. Um, I thought he evaded pressure really well in this game. Uh, he was pressured 14 times and only sacked once. So he was pretty much bailing out the offensive line a lot in this game against some pretty high-level pass rushers. Overall, he was 21 of 40 for 289 yards and two touchdowns and two picks, which doesn't necessarily jump off the page. Uh, but I just thought there were some really high-level moments. And then some other stats, 0.119 EPA per play, which was 11th, um, uh, 11th highest amongst qualifying quarterbacks this week. Uh, 42.2% success rate, which was 19th, so a little bit lower. Kind of indicates that, you know, down to down, there were still some misses. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of high-level throws, uh, which kind of, you know, bumps that EPA per play higher than that success rate. Uh, and then a 9.9 average depth of target, uh, which was 8th in the league this week. Um, specifically, though, like, I'm just thinking back to some some very specific plays where I was just like, there were so many wow throws in this game. Third and seven to Dobbs back of the end zone. Third and sixteen touchdown to Jaden Reed on the left on the left side of the end zone. Um, third and seven seam shot to Musgrave for thirty plus yards. Third and ten deep middle to Wicks on the second to last drive. Forty six yard with a dude barreling down into him. Uh, deep shot left to Reed to start the last drive. Even that. Short throw to Watson on the first third down of the game, I believe it was, during the first drive. Uh, I believe it was the first third down. That was perfect placement. And so there were so many plays like that. And despite those two picks that he did have, PFF, like we said earlier, only had him with the one turnover-worthy play. And that was the last play of the game where he's like pretty much just trying to force in the end zone because yeah. you only get one shot at it. So It's it hard to it call is. anything a turnover-worthy play when play when it's it's basically lining up like a Hail Mary. Well, the thing is, it's like, they got any, what seven defenders on the goal on the goal line. Well, to me, it's also it's like any incompletion is a turnover at that point. So, is yeah. any non-completion a turnover-worthy play? There, like a, a pick doesn't matter any more than just like no. Like, the, if this the ball is hits one the where um the only real sin is not getting a throw off. Yeah, you just or throw it for grabs and or throwing throw short for grabs and hope. Zone. Exactly, and so I, I have no problems with the pick at the end. It, it is what it is. He's just trying to force it in there and. Live to see another day. But yeah, I thought Love was really good in this game and really good. And he needs to be more consistent down to down. Uh, it's still, you know, that success rate's not great. The completion percentage over expectation, I forgot to write it down, but that wasn't great either. But at the same time, just, you know, you see the idea of what he could be in terms of a ceiling. Now he needs to be more consistent. He's not there yet, but you see the ceiling, you see the potential. Dad, what did you think about love in this one? Yeah, so overall, I, I had some things about, uh, as you mentioned, he had the most high-quality throws downfield, I think, that he's had all year, and maybe in his career, where I think his biggest, biggest criticism, my biggest problem with saying, like, can he be the guy? Not not is he the guy, but can he be the guy? You can't be the guy if you can't if you don't have a downfield game. So he was, like, one of the worst QBs in the league for much of the year at um, success throwing downfield. And this was the first one where I said, like, oh, he's making some nice throws here, multiple nice throws downfield with um, 
the touchdown to Reed and the pass to Musgrave <laughs> and the and the touchdown to Dobbs. It's like first of all, shout out Dobbs for the get for that toe, toe tap. drag. Yes. That was beautiful. And Musgrave managed to get a ball and turn 180 degrees and then and fall keep down. running and, and keep running downfield. <laughs> but that but the other uh, the seam shot, it was like, and then he's gonna fall down. Because he he did still start to stumble as he was turning. But if hey, if he's catching it 35 yards downfield, someone in the in a chat that I'm in somewhere else was saying it's like if he's gonna catch it 30 yards downfield, I don't care if he's gonna fall down. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Fair enough. Fair his, enough. His 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 average yards per reception was 32 in yeah. this game. Yeah. And I mean, love was really good. Um, just to speak to that deep passing that you were talking about, this tweet is from Jacob Morley on Twitter. Um, these are Jordan Love's deep passing stats per PFF. Eight attempts, uh, considered considered eight attempts deep uh, downfield. Five completions, 168 yards and a touchdown uh, with a quarterback rating of 145.8, which is really good. Uh, so yeah, his deep passing in this game, which was his biggest like thing that he was struggling with through the season so far, was just so vastly improved. And you just hope he can stack some success going forward and and against a pretty good Pittsburgh defense. So it's not even like he was like throwing it again, like throwing it around the yard against like the bears. So I think, I think easily when you consider the opponent, probably his best, probably his best game of the year. Um, beyond that though, I had a few other positives. Is there anything else you wanted to say about love? Because like we said over and over, the only thing that matters this year is getting a good evaluation of love. And through like the first, however many weeks it was like, man, the rest of this team is so bad. We can't even get, we can't even get an evaluation. We can't even know if he's any good. And like, at I was at times I thought that was a bit of copium. It's like, hey, like he wouldn't be struggling this much with downfield throws if he was like that level of good. I mean, look at what C.J. Stroud is doing with a tattered offensive line, and his best receiver is Noah Brown. So look at oh, that. No. Tank it's, Dell has been playing okay. well, and Noah, and... but Noah Brown's like hundred. Anyway, not a CJ Stroud. He's been putting up Noah Brown's put up some crazy numbers with uh Yeah. Um while Nico Collins has been out as well. But yeah, but anyway, point being, like if you're that guy, like you can still do stuff in a bad situation, but at the same time, it's like it was a really it was really dire. Like they couldn't do anything right. And he would look good in the second halves of games, but at, by then, like no none of the underlying numbers are gonna look good when for a half a game, every single game, the offense can't do anything. And so and, and it's always hard to know how much stock to put into stats accumulating when you're already down. Yeah. In the game. Exactly. But I think if he were to if he were to play like this rest of the season, hundred percent bring him like he should be the starter next year if he plays like this the rest of the season. He played well against the Rams too. So if he plays like he did against the past two games, rest of the season, heck yeah. They're like, we're cooking. Yeah, and I'm hoping they've like just you know changed some of the things, maybe some of the, maybe some of the things they told them to do over the summer. It's like it's turned out to be a bad idea. Stop well, I'm, like I'm starting to think like the, stop lobbing the ball down the field and actually throw it. Yeah, because they had specifically were apparently telling him like put more air on the ball, like throwing downfield. I was like, is this why you're leaving it short? Because you're trying to like put touch on every single throw, and so you're not like following through. And you're maybe. also like safety's coming from like. 30 yards away to break up that yeah. pass. Ball's just floating on you every single time. Yeah. But if he can play like this going forward, like we're cooking. Um, besides that though, I had some other positives. Um, the offense did the first half thing again, 13 points in the first half. 
Uh, over the past two games, they've scored more first half points than they did in the past six games combined. Uh, so that's cool. Um, and then the other was that AJ Dillon seems to be finding his legs. Uh, by far the longest run of the season with that 40 yard scamper he had. Um, and then five of his nine runs could be deemed as successful success rate of uh, 56% there. Uh, for reference, the best run offense in the league this season is the Bills with a success rate of 48.9%. So a very successful day at the offense for Dylan, at the office for Dylan, that is. Uh, and so looking like he's rounding into form as the months go on, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, so a good game from him, um, a better game from him than from Jones. Um, but I think some of that's just the blocking down to down was kind of all over the place. And a lot of uh, Dylan's numbers get kind of brought up by that 40 yard, but, he, but even without it, I think that's why the success right there is yeah, also important. That, it wasn't just, it wasn't just was, the one run. So I actually went through and looked at every one of his runs for the season um, to see how, uh, cause if I, if, if you want me to jump in now with my um, AJ Dylan notes. Yeah, sure. What'd you have? Um, so yeah, this 40, this 40 yard run was the longest of his career, not just to the season. And he had his second yard highest yards per rush in, in games with more than one carry in, in his career. He had like one game with an eighteen with a just one run for eighteen yards. Like that doesn't mean anything. But he did have one other game where he had more yard, um, yards per rush than this. But it wasn't just the long run, you know. So in this game, he had more um, what, five runs for more than four yards, and then another four runs that were exactly three. And none that were less than three. Yeah. So zero out of nine rushes at less than three yards, which is the first time all year that's happened. And no um, no, no rushes for no gain or negative yards. So on the season, I could go game by game, but maybe I'll just go for the, the summary. Um, through the first eight games, 36 of his 94 runs went for two yards or less. Oh. So in this game, he had zero of those and not, and not even, yes. And in the last two games, and it was, he still had a couple last week, but in the last two games, only two out of 18 compared to 34 out of 85. So there used to be like 40% of his runs were going for less than three yards. Um, that's that's through the first really, eight games. Yeah, that's really, really bad. bad. That's really bad. And, and 20 of the 94 were zero or negative. Zero, no gain or a loss. So you can't even say it's situational. Well, he got a one yard run, but got the first down. It's like, no, a, a no gain or negative is never a success, no matter how many yards you need. And now in this game, he had none, none that were no gain, none that were negative and none that were less than three. So that's, um, a, that's a major turn in the right direction. And except for the Minnesota game out of the last four games, the other three, his yards per rush after contact per attempt have been climbing. So for three of the last four games, he's actually increased that average. Um, and those three games, so this Minnesota game is kind of an outlier. It was really bad, but it was kind of bad for everybody. Um, and, you know, we talked earlier in the year about how his yards um, after contact per rush has actually been going down year by year this, after being pretty good his first couple of years. These um, these three games are more like he was earlier in his career, where he's getting like three yards per carry after after contact. So that's encouraging that he's looking a little bit better um, now as the season's going on. Yeah, I I think if 
I just wish he would start seasons better, but at this point, you know, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. It is like every year. I know it's like it's like this last year, it's like this the year before that. Yeah. Where the the second half of the season is so much better than the first half. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Um uh, that like it's just like clockwork. It just starts the season slow every year, but oh well. It is what it is. Dad, anything else on offense that you wanted to add before we tack on special teams and then Yeah, up? so Reed looks so good out there. Jaden Reed there. looks as, so good. He looks and, so and, good. And, and Wicks does looks good moving around as well. Like his That's ability to move, change. So I, I've been thinking for a while. I've been on the, should we start taking targets away from Dobbs and Watson and giving them to Wicks? Because this dude is always getting open and always making plays. I know he had the crazy fumble a week ago, but 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 for Reed, you know, let's focus on him now. He led the team in yards with 84. And he led the team in yards per route run by a large margin at 3.5. And he leads the team in yards per route run on the season at 1.88. Um, Aaron Jones is actually second at 1.76. And the next wide receiver is only at 1.52 yards per route run. And that's that's Wicks. Um, and Reed had a perfect passer rating of 158.3 when targeted this week. And he leads the team on the season in that stat at 118.1. So, yeah, I, I've been really, really happy with the the Reed draft pick. Um, and, you know, I was on the Jackson Smith and Jigba train um, at, at draft time, and Reed has been better, yeah. frankly. Substantially better. He's been really, he's been really good. He's been, so like, he's, contested like, catches, yards after the catch, open downfield, winning downfield, winning all over the place. I mean... He's so good. I mean, that's the thing is like, so obviously love playing well is something that to be really optimistic about in this game. The young pass catchers in this game were really good. Reed was really good. Wicks was really good. Musgrave was really good. They finally hit a seam shot to Musgrave. Oh my goodness. I thought it was impossible. I thought I would never see it, but they finally hit one down the seam to Musgrave. It like it felt like they had missed that same shot and they just stopped calling it. But yeah, back to Reed. I mean, he's good. He's good at football. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. He's good at football. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. And I do wonder, you know, it's like a bit too many mouths to feed right now in the offense. But, you know, yeah. that will work itself out. That's true. It's not a bad problem to have. Uh, but yeah, they just they think about to- that. Just look back at what that wide receiver group looked like. Um, yeah. When when Rodgers was carving up the league. It was Geronimo Allison. It was Alan Lazard. It was. Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, when it was good. Oh, when it was good. It sorry. Had, when sorry. It, I mean, when they had too many mouths to feed. Nobody was complaining about having like Driver and Jordy. And okay, well, Jones, let's calm, let's calm Jones down. And, let's calm down. We're not, we're no, not there. No, I'm just saying, don't worry about having too many good receivers. It's not a bad thing. That's true. That's true. Just slinging around the yard. That, that's all I mean. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And I think if, you know, if they can keep, getting stuff from love and from the young players. I think the biggest thing is like before the Rams game, Packers games were not fun to watch. They were not fun to watch for anyone. No one, no one should have ever enjoyed watching Packers games prior to two weeks, two weeks ago, but the past two games been fun to watch. And that's all we, that's all we're asking for this year. There have been entertaining, just nice plays, nice plays to look at some, some uh, good plays on offense. Occasional plays on defense. I would like one thing I didn't talk about. We didn't talk about is 
they can't force a turnover to save their life. Is that what you're going to say? Well, that's one of them I almost said when we were talking about defense, that they desperately need to get the turnovers. And we talked about it before game. They, I felt if they didn't lose the turnover battle, they would win the game. And I think that's true. And they're, they're not to be true in the end. They're not and getting they, turnovers. They're not getting pressures or and sacks, not, I should say. And they're yeah, I was I was going to say they're not getting any negative plays. Like they're they're put uh, back to the de- we're back to the defense, but they're like they had this thing about like oh we're going to be like hyper aggressive, we're going to be like shooting gaps, we're going to be getting upfield. Doesn't matter if you never ever ever force a negative play, like because I think that's the goal of the that is like you force a negative play, you get them like behind the sticks. And then you're able to get the stop from there, but you're just—they're just never getting negative plays. It feels like, but yeah. Um, anything else on the offense side? Do you want to move to special teams now? I think we could go to special teams now. Yeah, the not so this special is, teams. This is, this is uh, bad. Yeah. You could argue, I think, a strong argument that the special teams cost them the game. Uh, you're allowed a blocked PAT uh, where no one moved, or I, specifically, Deguara did not move to block his guy. Um, I don't it would have. What was going on in that play? He's just frozen. Um, yeah, frozen in time. It's like somebody just cast a spell on him. Doesn't touch. And I know Musgrave doesn't move either, so maybe it's a snap count issue. But my, I think my biggest thing is like the special teams is terrible. They are 28th in DVOA on special teams. They're paying Rich Pisacci a lot of money. They have a lot of special teams only players on the roster, and the special teams is terrible. They they promoted Rich Pisaccia this off season. To assistant head coach. But the special teams is bottom four. They, I mean, so you could argue allowing the block PAT cost them the game because they would have been able to kick a game-tying field goal otherwise. Uh, the kick out of bounds directly led to a touchdown. And then they allowed a 37-yard kick return and a 14-yard kick return and a 14-yard punt return. So they're not doing anything well except for Keyshawn Nixon occasionally having good returns, which I know you're going to talk about, but he also had a return that stuck him at the 11-yard line. Now, thankfully, they were able to score a touchdown on that drive, so it didn't actually impact him too much. But like they're, like they're even when even the positive plays that he's having, which are great, I love Keyshawn, but he's also having a bunch of negative plays that in some ways kind of outweigh those. Um, but Dad, I know yeah, you had stuff I think to say the, too. I think, but I think those are becoming less common, those negative plays. As the season has gone on, he's starting to get more of the big plays. Two, week, two weeks in a row now, he's returned the second half kickoff to the midfield and and he had 139 kickoff returns on um on the game this week so you mean 139 I, I, kick I, I, return I th- you mean 139 kick return yards i would hope re- well you said 139 I, kickoff returns which i well feel I, like- I started to distinguish as, as yes kick returns to distinguish them from punt returns which yes, he had one yes. of those as well but so he, did, he did on not that. have 139 different we, we didn't get scored on that many times with the, the Pittsburgh <laughs> offense isn't that good. Um, he had he had he had yards at 139 kickoff returns. Yes, exactly. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. But uh, and then that the thing about that um, the kickoff out of bounds that makes it even more egregious than it is. Just that why that yep. should never ever 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 happen is that it almost happened in the opening kickoff, which it's like they got lucky that it bounced in the end zone. So what after that happens like. You're like, wait a minute. We can't make sure you don't get it anywhere near the sideline. And it was both been like hook and left shouted from the rooftops, which is either it either means Carlson mishit it the same way twice or Bisaccia was telling him to try and kick it to the left. And if he almost kicks it out of bounds the first time you tell him to do that, just just kick it up the middle, please. Yeah, just kick it out of the end zone because just kick like, it out of the end zone. It's, 
it's such a short field if you kick the ball out of bounds. Yeah, and and it directly yeah, led to a 40. touchdown. Yeah, so there's there's, there's and, and one thing I heard I saw somebody tweet that you know they they actually hired Rich Basaccia to be the special teams coordinator, not because he was a good special teams coach, but because he did a good job as the interim head coach. Yes, he had never actually had a good special teams. Like the highest special teams ranking he had had is like twelfth. So I was like, when he was hired, I was like, I looked at the like the special teams rankings. It was like the Gosselin special teams rankings, I think, is is his name, uh, who does them every year. And I was like, I mean, I guess like he was a great interim coach for the Raiders. Seems like a good leader, but none of his special teams have actually like um, look. Am I go- am I taking crazy pills? Like he's not a great special teams coordinator. Like I think now, the only thing he, to, you can to hang be fair his- is like twelve sounded fantastic. Yes, compared to where true. we were. But and the only thing you can say he's done well is put Keyshawn back there. And this is what I was saying last year when people were like, oh, Basaccia, like fix the special teams. Like, no, Keyshawn Nixon fixed the special teams. Everything else was still terrible. Like, it was all still they bad. They were still getting kicks blocked. Yeah. And, and pu- kicks blocked other mistakes and like that. Letting, big, letting up big returns. And then and we didn't even talk about Jane Reed muffed a punt. Hey, we just got lucky that he yep. fell on it. He's got lucky he fell right on it. Yep. And he muffed it wasn't the- quite as lucky on the scale of lucky bounces on the week as the, uh, the James, James Cook, Cook run. Bouncing the ball to Where himself. he's basically, as I said, he's like dribbling it down the field. Aussie rules football, baby. But yeah, no, special teams is bad. Uh, I don't understand what the point of Rich Passaccia is. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, anything else on special teams? Well, Dad? we've got a few. Th- we've got a couple of coaches in that bucket. Yeah, that's we've got a lot of coaches in that bucket right now. Uh, and the players, I think, are overcoming it in a lot of ways. Um, but dad, let's move on to our player of the game and wrap things up here. Who did you have? So I went for Jaden Reed. I went off a, like, maybe not the most obvious, but he's just been playing so well. And, uh, basically is making big play when almost, every, you know, so often when the ball is thrown to him, he's making a play. Yeah. Uh, I went with Jordan Love just cause I thought it was his best game of the year and he showed a lot of promise. The only other one that I gave thought to was Zach Tom. Because TJ Watt is the type of player who can absolutely take over a game and just make your life a living hell for the offense. And I know that the offensive line didn't play great in this game and they gave up a lot of pressures. But TJ Watt didn't just completely wreck the entire game plan, which I thought was totally possible coming into this one. So that's yeah, that's and, a win And for he Zach basically Tom. lined up, as I understood what people were saying, he lined up over Zach Tom most of the game. Yeah, almost the whole game. But yeah, that was, that was the pick for me. And I, you know, actually... Yeah, I'm going to take Love, but you know, very close second, Zach Tom. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think in some ways, Love is the the right pick here because this is the most encouraged I've felt about his game all year. Mm-hmm. I agree. Even even though he still made mistakes, I th- I think there's there's you can see more upside this game than we have so far in terms of being able to make some high level plays. Agreed. But anyway, that's all we have for the post game for this Pittsburgh Steelers game. A loss, but definitely some positives to take away. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have any new episodes out. We tweet out stats that we find interesting, articles we find interesting, piece of Packers news, pretty much anything you need, Town related. And come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. If you give us a, if you subscribe, if you subscribe to us there, that is, we would really appreciate it because it would really help our numbers. But anyway... Thanks again so much for listening. We'll be doing a pregame for the next upcoming game. Uh, Hoping for the best coming up this weekend. 
Who are we playing again, Dad? Who's this weekend? Chargers. I'm so locked in. Ah, yes, Chargers. And yeah, maybe... so this is a chance to get the run game right. Exactly. Thank you. I, it slipped my mind. I know we talked about it earlier. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.